Blog Talk Radio. This is Season 3 of Eye on the Future with your host, Lady Fontaine, and co-hosts, Paula Kay and James Elkin. To schedule a reading or learn more about Lady Fontaine, known as America's number one love psychic, be sure to check out Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com. And now, here's Lady Fontaine and Paula Kay. This is Paula Kay, and this is episode two of our third season of Eye on the Future. We're back after such a long hiatus, and this season is dedicated to both Marlene D'Ambrosio, who was a dear friend of ours, and Lady Fontaine's beloved dog, Chanel. They both left us far too soon. Lady Fontaine, how are you doing this evening? I know we've had... So much going on in our lives. Why don't you get us caught up on what's been going on in yours? Well, first of all, hello, and I'm glad to be here again tonight. And I'm so excited about this week's topic, but I'm even more excited about next month's topic. But um, to catch up with you on a few things, as you know, I did move, and it's been quite hectic. I'm still unpacking and trying to get things organized. It seems to never end. But the move went actually very, very smooth, and I was really surprised about that. I had great movers, and things went really well. Um, And um, other than that, I've been just keeping busy with trying to get caught up because I took a couple weeks off, and you know what that's like. Then my schedule gets so backed up that it's like 24-7. But it's been a fun ride. It really, really has. So, um, you know, sort of getting used to, um, I'm smudging the house and sort of getting used to the energy here and um, making it mine. So what have you been up to? Because I know there's a whole new direction in your very near future. (laughs) Yes. Um, Several weeks ago, I decided that I was going to definitely go to graduate school. Um, I wasn't 100% sure which direction I was going to go as far as which school or which program, because I have, you know, actually quite a few options available to me um, in both of those respects. Um, But I Mm -hmm. narrowed it down to two schools, um, uh, Villanova, uh, for uh, either liberal studies or um, communication, or um, another college that I would go to for art therapy, which is a completely different direction than, um, than the Villanova option. And I'm, I'm, was so on the fence, uh, between which way to go with those. Um, but tonight I did have my interview at, at Cedar Crest College. That's the one for art therapy. And that went very, very well. Uh, by the way, I did officially accept it into both programs. Um, yeah, it, the school has a very good vibe about it. And, you know, I really do love the idea of doing, you know, a full-time position related to art. And I also really like helping people. You know that. Um, So art therapy does seem like a very, um, a very good option. And I do think I'm leaning that direction. 
Well, I mean, I well, who who told you that? Um, you know, I mean, that energetic—that's what I felt when you asked me, and I really do feel a, a a very very strong, you know, potential for you to be able to move forward with that and make something of it. So, um, you know, you you're gonna have you're gonna have your choice, even if you pick that as far as where the future takes you, because. Like I told you, I saw you eventually teaching art therapy and really being a good, really having a good contribution to that, you know, To and, and I don't know what that means yet, other than I do see you teaching. So I'm glad, you know, because energetically you are, you're so artistic um, and I, and you're also very, a very good listener and you're also very good at, um, you know, sort of analyzing things and figuring them out. So I think you would be a great asset in the, you know, classroom environment to helping people through art therapy. I had a client many, 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 many years ago who was going through art therapy. And, I mean, I knew her better than the art therapy teacher, and there was one thing that they had them do, and that was draw a house, you know, uh, sort of sketch out a house. And she had a house, um, and I, I don't remember exactly what the scenario was, but, you know, like with just her in it. And the art therapist really read it wrong and really tried to get her to put more people and more things and, and whatnot in the house. But that was really her, you know, very much alone and very much empty. Um, so, you know, it, there's a lot that I, see, I feel that you could contribute to helping people, especially because you yourself are intuitive. Thank you. And, you know, when you had mentioned to me about teaching, that really resonated with me. Um, I do, I love teaching, generally speaking, and I can easily see myself in that role as well. So um, I think that was completely on target. And and good job, Lady Fontaine. <laughs> you are um, <laughs> on target as usual. <laughs> Well, I mean, just yesterday you were telling me you were going to do liberal arts somewhere else. So um, it's amazing what a day can do. And I support whatever your decisions are. I mean, I, you know, the way my style of reading, I, I don't believe in telling anybody what they should do. I can just tell you what mm-hmm. the energy shows. And usually, like I did, I gave you more than one option. Um, there was you yeah. know, communication you were also interested in, but... With the art therapy, I really saw a direction for you. And I really think that's sort of combining and bringing out some of your inherent talent. So I kind of hope you do yeah. go in that direction. Yes, I am. I'm really feeling it. My, my only additional concern, and I won't waste too much more time on this because I know we have a lot of topics to talk about tonight and uh, calls to get to um, later in the show. But my, my one concern is my current job and my, and my boss may be um, reacting poorly to me embarking on a path that, um, that eventually would take me away from, from working at his company. <laughs> you know, so that's my one concern that, uh, well, are they that I have. Well, are they paying for your education? They wouldn't pay for this education. Um, if I did the the other program, they would uh, I would be eligible to receive some 
contribution from them. Um, if I do the art therapy, it, they would not uh, be compensating me for that at all. I, and, so, and yeah, so it's not that they... Go ahead. What were you going to finish what you were going to say? Uh, yeah, so it's not that they would be compensating me um, to get an, an education in that area. Uh, more the idea that I would eventually probably leave the company once I had that certification and was working in that field. And do they have to know that you're you're in school and what you're taking since they're not paying for it? Is it really any of their business other than you taking some postgraduate courses? Um, I guess maybe they don't really need to know too many details. Um, you know, there might be some scheduling things, and maybe eventually it will come out. But you're right. You're right. Um, if I'm paying for it myself, maybe I can just Right, that's an excellent point, Lady Fontaine. <laughs> it, I guess it really isn't their concern if if I'm paying for it myself and doing it on my own time. <laughs> no, I mean if they ask you, you know, you can say a bunch of stuff. But you know, some people do art therapy to get the therapy side of it out to help them work through things. I mean, I I think that's right. a wonderful way to get in tune with yourself. They don't have to know. You know, even if it does come out that you're taking, you know, an art therapy class or major, um, right. that, you know, there's, there's anything other than, um, you know, you exploring that, you know, for yourself. Yeah, personal so enrichment. Right. Right. Less is more with them. I wouldn't say a lot. Okay. You know, do, do what's best for you. Okay. All right. Well, Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you. Um, Hey, hey, Jim. Here I am. <laughs> so, the what are you technology. Here tonight? <laughs> so, what have, so, yeah, what, are you, what have you been up to? We, I know you were, what, in New Hampshire recently, right? Yeah, I was at a motorcycle rally in Laconia, New Hampshire. Had a good time. And, yeah, uh, it was quite a ride up there and a ride back trying to beat the storm and almost did it came back and the last hour was in the rain but uh the trip overall was just beautiful weather and a beautiful time had a great time and i got back sorry no go ahead so i got back and uh, (laughs) i'm finished (laughs) finished And I uh, found that my kid had, uh, uh, my girl had found a new farm to work on in uh, uh, in Sweden, where she's working on organic farms for uh, for uh, fun and pleasure. Um, uh, Yeah, this is what she's doing for her gap year in between high school and college. It's really great. And she's having a good time. You've been there for how long? She's been uh, she's been there. Well, she she went in the fall, and came back late fall and stayed here in, uh, through the spring, and and then she went back in uh, in uh, uh, it was in May, and she went back. That's right. And uh, yeah, so she's gonna be there through uh, through half of August. We're bringing her back on the nineteenth. And you're we're taking go a trip to Stockholm to go get her, right? Yeah, we're going to go to Stockholm, pick up a car, and drive all over the country and come back. I have some Ooh. ancient, 
I have some relatives there that, that I found through Ancestry.com because I have Swedish ancestry and my great-great-grandfather came here from Sweden and left some family there and they're still there. So now I've got friends and family everywhere. It's really kind of interesting. I know. I know because I did Ancestry a couple of years ago as well and I discovered, you know, in in the Eastern European area i mean you know i have cousins and relatives all over the place so that's kind of kind of wild i guess ancestry should give us like a sponsorship or something but i think it's a (laughs) phenomenal way to really understand your roots and you know really get in touch with 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 who you are so are you going to visit or really meet any of your you know the descendants from your great 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 grandmother yes yes um, How we're going to meet, oh my there's God. two, there's, there's two families there now, as far as I know, who descend, who, who are the, my, at my level. So they're first cousins, uh, who, who come from a common grandmother and, uh, oh my God. So how long are you going to be there for? Do you think we're planning for a little, little over a week, like 10 days. Nice. Have you ever been there before? Yeah, I've been there a couple times now. Oh, I didn't know The first time we just visited for a little while, a couple of days. We we were in England, and we decided to hop over and and see what the country looked like. And we basically just went to Stockholm and romped around. Uh, And then the second time, uh, I went there to take my daughter to the first farm just so she could figure out how to use the railroads and the buses and things like that. It was a strange trip because I went there with her and I came home alone. It was very weird. Yeah, I can imagine that is weird. Um, but thank God, you know, she's there enjoying herself. Now, is this an organic farm she's working on? That's right. Neat. So um, she must be eating a very, very healthy diet while she's there. But she probably does anyhow, right? She does, yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> 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 well, I remember the days that you used to be a vegetarian a long time ago, and then you gave up on that. Where Where do you stand now? Um, I I am not a vegan. I was a vegan for 14 years, um, and I, I walked away from that. Uh, I've bounced back and forth a few times, but uh, uh, mostly not these days. Mm, yeah, see, I, I haven't eaten meat or poultry since I was 10 years old. So it's been a long ride for me, but I do eat fish and, and eggs. So, right. um, you know, I'm far so from it makes you an, that makes you an ovo lacto pesca vegetarian. And that's it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love those words. <laughs> so we've got a great, great topic for tonight and I do want to move into it because it's one of the favorite things that I really focus on. When I got my degree in psychology and then I eventually went for um, certification in hypnotherapy, I did that for one reason, to be able to do past life regressions. And I love doing it and I love helping people discover who and what they were. But more importantly, tonight I want to talk about the concept of past lives and reincarnation. And Jim, I know from way back, you have more of the Eastern viewpoint on things 
um, I don't know if I want to say Buddhist or Hindu. You were more following the Hindu belief structure, no, weren't you? No, it was Buddhist. Very, very no, it was Tibetan ancient Buddhist uh, uh, teacher that I had. Um, sorry. Well, I remember when you went to <laughs> Nepal. I do remember when you went to Nepal. I do remember that trip. Um, right. But, yeah, so um, I think you're going to bring a little bit different um, perspective to the discussion tonight, which I'm really anxious to hear about. But, um, you know, my belief structure, and especially in working with people um, as extensively as I do and also really feeling the energy, it's so um, dynamic when I'm on a call with somebody and I can tell them that they're involved in you know, a situation that's a soul-level connection. And soul-level connections, in my experience, are usually not what we think of a classic soulmate. You know, we think, oh, God, let me have that soulmate relationship. I actually find most of the soul-level connections to be, to be uh, you know, relationships where you really learn, and they're very, very challenging. Um, but... I energetically, I could feel when there's that soul level connection. And I also know that from my belief structure that people reincarnate and come back um, in groups. And I see that all the time in my own life. Um, as I meet people, I, I know these people. I mean, you could feel it energetically. I just know these people. It feels like, you know, sometimes I meet somebody and it feels like I've known them my whole life. And I, you know, I, I can usually pick up um, some of the, the various either lifetimes or experiences that we've had together. But I'm really anxious to hear uh, both the Buddhist perspective, if you could share it with us. Um, then I'm going to talk a little bit about the more new agey kind of perspective that I believe in. And Paula, I want you to share with us your belief structure as well. But, Jim, I want to turn it over to you so you can give us a little bit of Thank background you. on the Buddhist perspective. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, the, the particular school of Buddhism that I studied is the Nyingmapa school, which means the old ones. So this is like really old-style tantric Buddhism that came out of India uh, uh, in, the, in the early Middle Ages. Um, and the, the, the beliefs that I was uh, – the, the teachings that I was taught about about how this works is that uh, um, we have all been uh, moving from level to level in in the realm of the world that is called samsara. That's the name for the world in, in Buddhist teaching, and and we're always bouncing from one level to the other. So there's six six levels of the world in Buddhist teaching. So there's the hell realm, the ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the demigod realm, and the godly realm, and uh, each one of these realms is just another part of of, of how people uh, are reborn. So the gods live for very long periods of times, and the hell beings live for very long periods of times. And uh, certain of the animals are ones that have the shortest lifetimes. Uh, where you're born or who you're born to it depends on who your how your actions were in the past, and that's the topic of a of a future show I believe called Karma. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and so. And so as, as karma moves you into your new family, uh, there's a lot of things that are happening about why this family is selected uh, or, uh, and, and some of the reasons would be like 
uh, you have a connection with past people that uh, maybe you did nice things for them or maybe you did bad things to them and you're going to be the, the child from hell for them. Um, whatever it is, there, you know, this is, this is how we come into our lives. Um, it's not like we're selecting them because they're going to teach us in Buddhist teaching. It's more because we have a karmic debt that we have to somehow resolve. There's an imbalance in the universe and this is how to create that balance. Uh, Buddhist teaching is very much involved in the idea of balance. And so that, that comes in a lot. Um, um, the Buddhist teaching on reincarnation says that we've been reincarnating through eons over and over and over again, that uh, if you step on any one spot on the earth, you're standing on a place where you have reincarnated thousands of times. Uh, and so the idea is that life life is always cycling through and you're always moving to another life and things like that. Uh, that's that's a very prominent thing in Buddhist teaching. So uh, the, the, the goal of Buddhist teaching is, of course, to, to get people to arrive at a place where they no longer have to reincarnate. Uh, that's called enlightenment, and that would be the time uh, when you stop uh, interacting with the world directly. Um, uh, one more thing I wanted to relate, uh, if I can remember it now. It came up in my mind three times while I was talking, and it's gone. <laughs> uh, maybe, it'll pop, maybe it'll pop back into your head because I have two questions. You talked okay. about standing any one location on earth on having, you know, reincarnated in that spot a thousand times. Is the Buddhist perspective limited only to this planet, or could you be some sort oh, of no. microorganism um, in space or somewhere else? That's, that's exactly right. Yeah, you, could be, you could experience a lifetime anywhere in the universe. Uh, it doesn't have to be on this planet, and the gods aren't just in this planet. The gods are in the universe as a whole. Uh, so yes, you, you wouldn't have to, to be in one, one particular spot. And, and I do have another comment, but before I have that comment, I just want to mention at some point, and I don't know if we'll have time today, but I'd like to explore a little bit more since you and I have been doing paranormal investigations for uh -huh. eons. And, right. Um, we have one coming up in fact, in October in the Poconos in uh, Strasbourg, California, but um, you mentioned that, and I didn't know this, that in that that's actually the ghost realm is actually part of the Buddhist um, uh, reincarnation cycle. And at some point mm -hmm. I'd like to explore that. We have time tonight, great, but I know we have several callers that are waiting to, um, you know, get on the air with us with their questions. Okay. So we'll see if we okay. have time. If not, I'd like to do a show or sort of integrate that into another show because I find that fascinating. Sure. Um, there was one other thing. Now I forgot it that I mm -hmm. wanted to um, to ask. But did you think of what you wanted to say? No, I'm the still bouncing it around trying to find it. Okay. All right. Um, Paula, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about yeah. your perspective. Okay. Well, I, um, I absolutely believe in reincarnation. Um, I have had a regression um, and you know what, for quite some time, and, and I'm pretty old now, um, I have believed in reincarnation. I remember being one of, like, <laughs> I remember being no, like um, 12 or 
12 or 13, I read uh, Shirley MacLaine's book, uh, Out on the Limb, uh, which touches on uh, some, yeah, and, you know, it definitely rang true, and then later in life, I read Dr. Brian Weiss's book, uh, which I love, and I would highly recommend to anybody who is curious about reincarnation. Um, Which book is that, Paula? And uh, Dr. Brian Weiss, he's written many books. His huh. first book is um, Many Lives, Many Masters. Right. And okay. I, that's I'm the one him. I would recommend people start with. Right. I um, agree with them. I read most of his books as well. And he does, I mean, it, it's amazing in his book um, how yeah how some of the people actually tie in. Yeah. Um, I think the Soulmate right. book was amazing with that one story about the two separate clients. That was that one is um, called... Only Love is Real. Only Love is Real is the one that goes through those uh, two soulmates that were both yeah. patients. Um, and, yeah. it, you know, it's amazing how he just stumbled upon this information. Um, this was not a guy who was looking to prove some woo-woo idea uh, and really try and find a way to do it. But this is a guy who's no. very analytical. A medical right. doctor. Um, yeah. I like this. Yeah. He didn't believe in him. And he, in fact, I don't really think that he really believed it until they started to come through. In, and, you know, whatever masters are on the other side sort of guiding this process, mm-hmm. until they started giving him the messages about his baby that had died and only lived yeah, for three that, days. I they agree. were very That is what cemented it for him. Yeah. 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 Another point really, that he I made, mean, even before he came to that conclusion, was uh, when when these patients started to, you know, be regressed to past lives. At first, he was wondering if it was, you know, their imagination or or some kind of fantasy that they were having. But he said to himself, "Imagination and fantasies does not uh, fix a problem." You know what I mean? It doesn't, it wouldn't, these patients wouldn't be healing from, you know, right. something and that they just chose to imagine. You know. That first patient right. that he regressed, he didn't even know what was happening. That person had a fear of drowning. And they, I don't yes. remember all the details, but she, in a past life, she actually did drown. I don't remember. Is that what happened? I really don't remember, but I remember yes. that was the yes, That is an accurate synopsis of, of what went on in, in that um, situation. But um, when I read his book, I mean, they definitely rang true to me, and they resonated with me. Uh, and then later I did a, a regression. Um, he had done a podcast for a, a regression, just like a very general one that anybody could listen to and, and be regressed. And, and I, did, I did get regressed and see, and see a past life, and it did shed light on my current situation. Um, well, one thing I think that is amazing. One of the seminars, though, in Philly years back, um, did you have yes. any experience? You did. I didn't. But what was the experience you had? Well, I know uh, initially he had regressed the audience um, just a little bit, you know, like back to early childhood in this lifetime. Um, and I did go back to when I was a baby. And I remember being amazed at how clearly I could see all of my surroundings. Um, and I was in this bassinet, and and the lace, I could see the lace so clearly. And, you know, I, it's hard for me to express for our listeners 
how um, how real this this was. I mean, this was really a memory. Um, there there might be you know people who are listening who are who are doubting or or thinking whatever they're thinking, but I you don't get this level of detail, you know, um, unless it's a real memory. Uh, I don't think. So this was, uh, that's what I found the most amazing at that one-day seminar. I know he does things that are longer, um, you know, like week-long events that he does sometimes where I think uh, people have Hmm. more of a chance to get a deeper experience um, and Mm -hmm. a more uh, developed understanding. But this was just a one-day seminar, but I I really enjoyed it. And um, I I went with a good friend of mine, (laughs) Lady Fontaine. (laughs) You did have a great time. But you know how I got introduced to that book is I was dating years back, like after I got divorced, I was dating a New York City cop. And he took me into, like, um, you know, we were hanging out in the city. And um, I don't remember how we ended up in this bar. He knew the guy. He said, hey, let's go in and see a friend of mine. Apparently that was his beat. Um, And we were sitting there, and he was telling the, the owner of the bar that I'm psychic and like I was, you know, doing all these, like, you know, um, you know, quick reads on things, and he was literally blown away. And then he went into the back, and he handed me Brian Weiss's first book, and he hmm. said, "You," he said, "Have you read this?" I said, "No." He said, "Here, take it." Um, and and he said, "This is going to blow you away because it's so similar to what you're doing." And it really wasn't even slightly similar to what I was doing, but it was the beginning of me really getting that understanding about past lives. And that book sat in my car for a long time. And then I went through a difficult period and it popped in my head about that book. And I went in my car and I got the book. And it literally did change my whole perspective of life when you really have that experience. Go ahead. I think that's the wonderful thing about about knowing about reincarnation and past lives is that it sheds so much light on what is what is going on in this lifetime. Uh, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you feel that instant connection, or you meet somebody and you instantly don't like them, uh, or there's you know, things going on in family dynamics or in, in romantic relationships. And if you think to yourself and acknowledge the fact that Sometimes these are leftover situations from prior lifetimes that you're still working through. It gives you a whole other perspective. Yeah, without a doubt, it does. Um, so, so clearly you believe in reincarnation. So are there any criteria or parameters in your belief structure? Because, um, you know, obviously traditional religions don't include you know, reincarnation is part of their belief structure. Yeah. Well, no, um, well first of all, I mean, Christian religions, well, right? Well, yeah. Well, Christian or Judaism. I mean, neither okay. of them yeah. um, believe. I know when we talk about the Eastern religions, they do, but the more yeah. traditional Ang- Anglo-Saxon, right. you know, Judaism and stuff don't. Um, so, so. Although, and, although the. The Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical teachings, definitely does have a, a, a positive regard for, for reincarnation. So it may have been part of Jewish teaching. It may have gone away later. And, and my very personal positive. belief is that in Christianity, maybe also, would yeah. it, yeah, the, be talking about reincarnation and later that the, was squashed. 
Yeah, the the Gnostics uh, definitely believed in reincarnation. So, well, yeah. if you really look at Christianity and you look at the Wicca holidays and you look at even the structure of Wicca, there are so many overlapping similarities of the two. So I think, um, like you both are saying, it sort of got filtered down to be a mm-hmm. much more strict, stringent type of, you know, yeah. uh, belief structure than it might have originated. With, uh, right. So, but, so can um, I tell what I believe? Well, yeah. Oh, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I want, uh, you I want to tell you a story of my birth process. but um, Okay. We'll get there. I, I just wanted uh, to pop this in in a moment because um, yeah. I remembered what it was that I was going to say, too. Um, one, of the, one of the teachings uh, in Buddhism is that the Kali Yuga, uh, that's like the, the, the part of uh, the uh, uh, current era that we're living in, the epoch that we're living in, um, when it gets really corrupted, what happens is people start living many lifetimes in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. So the, the lifetimes that get shorter and shorter because those lifetimes are actually experienced while you're in one body. Mm-hmm. And I can know that's happened to me because I've had three wives and how many jobs and school and all kinds of different things, different majors. It's like the many different lifetimes. Um, so, so that works for me very, very well. <laughs> Um, you had three what wives? What? I only knew you had one wife. You had three wives? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Three wives. And I've yeah. known you for like 25 years. I did not know that. Okay, sorry yeah. for the interruption. That's okay. Yeah, I've been around. Darling. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so um, when when I came to, to New York, I was studying uh, uh, Semitic linguistics at Columbia University. Um, and I remember kind of trying to resolve this whole conflict because I was born into a very devout Christian family who believed very strongly in in uh, 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 Protestant uh, uh, evangelical type of belief. Uh, so that believes in that that belief had one life and it's very linear. It starts and it ends, and you you move on to whatever you're going to spend the rest of eternity doing. Uh, and I, I was frustrated because I was I, I knew that I didn't believe that anymore, but I wasn't sure I believed in reincarnation. And I stopped and I kind of looked at the stars and I looked at the sky and I said to myself, you know what? The whole universe is cyclical. Everything comes and goes. Seasons change and go back and forth. Everything about the creation shows me that reincarnation has got to be true. And I realized that, you know, the, the creation is the reflection of the creator. And therefore, how could how could life be linear? It has to be cyclical, just like the rest of the universe, because that's the reflection of the Creator, and that's where it, that's where I stuck got stuck with with reincarnation. <laughs> so, so um, you don't necessarily, in your belief structure, have the um, rules or criteria or whatever, like you were explaining earlier with Buddhism um, and those five different, um, with the five or six different six. sort of realms, do you, uh-huh. do you incorporate that into your, your belief process? Well, I, I, I think there was wisdom behind the Buddhist teachings, um, but I think the Buddhist teachings were really intending to get people to not be interested in anything but pursuing enlightenment. And so they they kind of flavor things to be more 
you know, this is this is the teaching we'll give you, but it's really something you shouldn't get too attached to. Um, my Buddhist teacher used to say, um, if you want to know what you, what your past life was like, look at uh, look at what your present uh, luck is like. You know, how, how many things work for you? What kinds of things are going wrong? And if you want to know what your future will be, look at the things that you're doing in this life. And anything wow. else is just dis- distraction, and don't bother with it. Don't even pay attention to it. Just focus on enlightenment. <laughs> So the idea of regression hypnosis would be considered a distraction to him. But, I mean, I I literally got the chills when you said that um, about, you know, yeah, I I think that 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 kind of says it all. Um, I I thought of the second thing that I was going to say when you said the word enlightenment. Um, And I'd like you to just explain um, what the Buddhist perspective of enlightenment truly is. Because I know uh, I've, I've been striving my whole life to be enlightened, and mm-hmm. my version of enlightenment is a little bit different. Okay. Um, well, the Buddhist enlightenment is is to to move away from all ignorance, whatever there is, whatever ignorance there is. So um, we make a lot of assumptions about the world, and because of that, from Buddhist perspective, we're, we're very ignorant. Um, one of those assumptions would be like, I'm alive. Um, I am I am a person. I am me. I am talking on the radio. Uh, these are all me doing things. But if I really look at it, what's going on from a very uh, granular perspective or from a very gigantic perspective, nothing at all. So the Buddhists say, um, if if you're focusing on stuff outside of you, then you're making a mistake. If you're focusing on the inside, what it, what makes me work as a as a being, and uh, my, that that moves me away from my ego and just puts me in a place where I am uh, basically witnessing and the center of it all and witnessing it all, but not engaging with it uh, 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 with a belief. I'm engaging in, engaging with it with a, a understanding that I'm playing a game. It's like a video game, very very good video game, uh, virtual reality kind of thing. And that's exactly very what my book is. Yeah. Okay. So. So it, I, I think that we're very aligned with that. In fact, mm-hmm. just about everything you said, especially with, you know, um, moving away from all the external distractions and right. turning your, your attention to you. And, mm-hmm. and you, know, you really are. I mean, there was a, a, like a, I don't know, a five-word saying that Louise Hay said, and I don't, I don't want to quote her exactly, but, um, you know, it's something to the effect of um, you are what, what you're seeking. And, you know, it, it truly is true. If we would stop looking external for all the things to make us happy and to fulfill mm-hmm. us and start looking inside, we right. would find everything that we need and want and desire. And, you know, we would find perfect harmony. So um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that we ended up basically in the same place because my feeling is this is more or less just a virtual reality experience because I think that we're actually just um, high spiritual beings up in you know wherever in heaven or wherever that magical place is another dimension and we you know we we sit at the computer and go okay. Um, this lifetime, I want to experience A, B, C, D, and E, so this way I can uh, get closer towards enlightenment. Um, and also, 
to have the, I believe the soul comes back because it wants the feeling of emotions. And the soul is not, you know, judgmental or conditional. So it comes back. It doesn't care if the intense emotions are heartache or sadness or happiness or joy or gleefulness. It just wants to feel. So I believe that we plug it in, we put on the virtual reality headset, and we think we're living this lifetime, and we think we're powerless and have no ability to change anything, when in reality, it's as I've learned from you, it's all an illusion. But I believe the illusion is that we're not even here. I mean, we're not. This isn't really happening. This is truly just an illusion. Um, and, right. you know, there's some higher means, if it's a headset or if it's something that we don't even know yet, um, that, that you know, we we decide what it is that we want yeah. to experience. Um, sounds you know, like, so sounds like I'm the basis for a future show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that that would be great. I just want to share, because we have a lot of callers, and I do want to start okay. taking calls, but I do want to share my birth experience, because... The reason why I want to share it is, you know, I have all these beliefs, like you said, about the virtual reality experience of, you know, basically having a limit, limitless amount of lifetimes based on what we want to, want to experience or our soul needs to experience. But my birth experience was totally different, and it, to- it tells me something different but I have to also remember that when, what I'm remembering is the memory I have from when I was a child. I'm not filtering this to fit today's belief system. I'm going to tell it exactly the way I remember it. And it deviates a bit from what I just said. So what I remember is being um, somewhere and it, everything was white and there was like a church with a church you know, steeple and sort of like behind me. And I was in a playground on, and I I don't remember what it's called, but, you know, it's this thing that you sit on and it goes around and around. It's not a merry-go-round, but it's whatever it's called. I forgot what it is. But I was on that playing, and all of a sudden some music started to play. And we all knew that when that music started to play, it meant it was time for someone to come back. And I knew that that someone was me. But honestly, I had no intentions of going back. I did not want to go back, and I'm ignoring the music and thinking that if I ignore it, they'll just leave me alone. And the next thing, I'm like, and I'm whisking down a tunnel. Now, I'm old as well, Paula, and a little bit older than you. (laughs) And I remember very distinctly that we were sort of floating down the tunnel, and there was you know, I guess it was a high master, you know, uh, some sort of being next to me that was more or less filling me in with what this life would be. Now, again, that deviates so much from what my current belief structure is, since I feel we're empowered to make those choices and decisions ourselves. But in my memory, no, he told me what my life was going to be. So then suddenly we stop, and he makes a round counterclockwise circle with his hand, and all of a sudden, beneath us, I could see into the delivery room, and there's the woman that became my mother. And as soon as I saw my mother, I knew who my father would be, and I, I didn't want to go back. I absolutely didn't want to go back. So I see the baby being born, and the baby was me. 
And I'm sitting there arguing with the high being thing. Not me. I ain't going back. No way. Forget it. I'm not going. And he's telling me I have to go back. And we're having this whole discussion and argument. I'm I'm absolutely emphatic. I do not want to go back. And then I hear my mother saying, um, you know, cry, cry, cry. And the doctor is like trying to revive me. And then all of a sudden there was this very loud, powerful suction that suddenly I was in the body of the baby crying. And the last words that the high master said to me before the vacuum sound was, you have to go back, but it won't be for long. Now, when I tell the story, people, and I've been telling the story for a lot of years since I was like, you know, five years old. You know, people would say, well, doesn't that scare you? You know, you 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 have to go back, but not for long. But no, I could live to be 150 years old, and that would be a blink of a lot of an eye in, you know, in the realm of eternity. So that what I experienced or what I remember of the birth experience is way different than what my belief structure is, because I, I honestly don't believe that we have to do anything, that we have to go back. Um, I believe we want to go back, and the soul is ready to go back. But, you know, it's what I experienced. Um, So I wanted to share that with you because, for me, that's absolute 100% of you. Um, it's time to take a call, right, Lady Fontaine? Yeah. Who do we have on the line? I see that we have a bunch of callers waiting. Yes. And um, Amy is from Wisconsin, and um, she has questions about some family dynamics that are going on um, and as they relate to past lives. So, Amy, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank Amy? you. Okay. Yes. Hi. Hi. So, Hi. Hi. Well, so, knows how to work through us all because, um, you know, I I read Brian Weiss's books many years ago. I just went to my library and I see three of them that I read, and I study Thich Nhat Han also. So mm-hmm. it's a nice mesh of people that I'm able to commune with. So thank you very much for taking my call. So, oh, we're um, happy to have you in the air. So tell me a little bit about what's going on. And also, if you don't mind giving me the first names of any people involved so I can connect with their energy. Okay. Thank you. I will. So um, my mother, she Susan, passed away earlier this year. And um, I kind of knew that when she passed that I would disengage from my family. And I knew that, you know, like 18 months before she passed away. And it has come to pass, and it's true. And But um, I don't understand. I have now had, you know, a recent Susie, one of my sisters, um, that I got along with all the time. We have come to not speaking with each other. And I have a sister, Lizzie, who my whole life, 
she has just been like a nemesis to me. She has, I have just ticked her off at every corner, every turn. And Mm -hmm. big, big blow up, you know, a couple months ago. And I know that I have to turn this over. This is not my stuff. But I just can't, I, I I keep coming back. And there must be more that I need to know about this. So I thought, okay, past life. This has to do with a past life. I need to understand this better. Yeah, I think it has to do with a lot of different elements, not just past life stuff, but um, a lot of things. First of all, I I want to, you know, offer you my sincere condolences, you know, for your loss. I'm I'm sure that in itself, regardless of you know any circumstances, it's always difficult when we lose our mom, and um, you know, and then you know, follow it up with all this drama, you know, makes matters a lot more difficult. I want to say with Susie, um, as soon as you mentioned her name, I immediately got a feeling of jealousy. Um, And that feels like it's in this lifetime. Um, She may not directly show it, but that's certainly the undercurrent of what I feel in her energy. Um, The one that I really feel, and I'm not by any means saying that, that there's not a past life or a soul level um, uh, experience or, or connection with Susie, but the one I really feel it with is Lizzie. And I really feel that she really is such a blessing in your life. I know you don't know it and I know you don't feel it. And I know you're, you know, rolling your eyes and thinking, how could this be? But she is, um, in a lot of ways, um, if you really look at it objectively, you both are reflecting each other. You really, truly are. And I know, I mean, I could feel your energy. Well, you know, but it's there. And I feel every time she elicits any sort of response in you, it's such a gift and such an opportunity for you to look inward and for you to, to, to understand, you know, where that emotion and where that feeling comes from. Now, Lizzie, I mean, she would benefit if she did that same thing. She would benefit a million times over. But I very Mm -hmm. much feel in a past lifetime that um, you were in a mother-daughter situation. And I also feel in, um, you know, this one feels like a long, 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 long time ago. You know, it could have been back in the Roman ages or even back in Egypt. It could be, you know, even back further than that. I actually feel you were partners, um, you know, I, and I'm not sure who is the male and who is the female. She she comes through with a little bit um, more of the male um, energy when I'm looking back in her energy. Um, but I kind of feel that that lifetime was where a lot of, from the one way back, if it's Egypt or Roman, is where a lot of the conflict is coming from. And it's so interesting because your energies really do align so beautifully, um, but there are areas where I could feel the conflict, but it's such an opportunity for growth and for learning. Um, what I really suggest with her, and what I, what I would like you to do is give me an example of, you know, how every step of the way it's sort of like an emotional tug of war with the two of you. But if you can give me an example, I could tell you how to go through the process and how to get the gifts and lessons from that particular experience. So give me an, give me an idea of where you guys really um, 
have the conflict? I think, you know, with Lizzie, there's jealousy through my family and my mother. Um, I think so my, she ended up living with my mother for uh, quite a few months before she purchased a home. And we would just have a discussion of her buying a house. And she would invite me into the conversation. And I would give my two cents. And um, immediately, you know, it was just so black and white. Anything that I had to offer her was not relevant. Um, And it just seems like she there was a lot of blame anything that happened in her life she blamed me for uh a lot of things she blamed me for um just things growing up um and that that and you know i'm sorry go ahead that's going to tie into when we do the show on karma but it really feels like that 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 lifetime when you two were partners is where a lot of this is coming from. She really feels, Lizzie feels so misunderstood. And I know she doesn't show it because I think she what she projects is that she's so together, so smart, so this and so that. But underneath all that, she feels so weak and so lost and so afraid. Um, but I feel that blaming you comes from a past lifetime. I mean, that to me is so prominent. And again, that's the partner's lifetime. So what I would really suggest in a situation in this lifetime where she's blaming you for anything is for you to look inward, look and see how that makes you feel, and then just reflect inward because that's, that's a clue. That's a gift for you to be able to shift your focus inward. Look inward and ask yourself, really, what do I need to see? What was the first time I remember feeling that way? And use that process to sort of peel off the layers. But for you to get some resolution, um, first of all, I feel time is going to heal a lot of what's going on right now. I feel all of you are kind of searching for something. And it kind of feels like right now everybody is, Um, thinking that they're in charge and thinking that they're running the show, but nobody really is. But yet I feel you all are in a way. So what I really mean by that is that, you know, it it feels like you all are bringing to the table um, different perspectives and different ideas. And everyone's holding on so tightly to make themselves feel like they're in control, but no one is. Nobody is. But it's so interesting that you feel with Lizzie that, and I do feel the jealousy with Lizzie, but it's more, there's a karmic debt there, and it's such mm-hmm. an opportunity. We're going to ask Jim, you know, to just shed some light on karma, karmic debt from a Buddhist perspective in a minute, but um, it's such an opportunity for you to heal you. All we really mm-hmm. care about in the, because we're never going to change Lizzie and we're never going to change Susie. The only person that we could change is you. And it's not a matter of telling yourself, um, I shouldn't do this or I should do that. It's learning from the experience. 
So, Jim, could you shed some light on the what I'm feeling to be a karmic debt with Lizzie? Um, well, what, when I said earlier, you know, when you want to know what things you, uh, uh, what your past reincarnation experiences were, you look at look at your fortune, your luck in this life, mm-hmm. and and when you arrive at a place where you have two very different relationships with people that you've grown up with. Are you the eldest? No, I'm second to youngest of eight. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> which, which, where do these, these uh, sisters fit in? Um, Susie and Lizzie. Uh, Susie is the second oldest and Lizzie is just above me. She's the third to youngest. So you're the three, you're the youngest of the three of you. Yes. Well, okay. I'm, yes, yes, correct. Okay. <laughs> we we'll, we'll, we won't go into the whole family dynamics but but uh uh many times I run into people who just don't get me you know I can talk and they it, it you know they look at me like I've got horns growing out of my nose and and you know other people understand me perfectly and it's just this kind of thing that there's a there's a bent in the way people think that that won't match with mine and and this is something that Buddhists often claim is is uh, the the acts of karma being expressed in the present time that this person has to be uh, uh, someone who's in conflict with you, and the problem is you want to change that so you don't have that in the future life, right? So I would love to change that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's he would that's. Like to, I think he'd like to even change it in this lifetime if that's she the point, could. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So she doesn't have to carry that extra, you know, pressure exactly. of dealing. Right. So then how do you resolve it from a Buddhist perspective? Well, well from a Buddhist perspective, uh, uh, they would say lots of prayers, say mantras or, or, or things like that. Thich Nhat Hanh might take it a step further, right? He might say, you've got to talk to her. You've got to level this thing out. You've got to straighten it out. And, and just say, you know, I, I get it that for some reason every time I open my mouth, it sounds like I'm offending you and I don't want that to happen. So how can we work together to get to understand each other so that you can get that I'm not trying to be your enemy. In fact, I want to help you and support you. Go ahead, Jimmy. I want you to finish that thought, and then I'm going to share what I, I think that's a finished you. thought. You can go ahead. All right. So what I feel, um, and it's what basically what I was saying before, is um, forget her right now and forget if there's a karmic debt, forget any of it and look at it as a clue and shift mm-hmm. your focus. What we were talking about earlier, um, you know, remove yourself from all these external distractions. It's really a clue for you to look inward because any relationship, you only need one person to fix a relationship. And that one person is you. If she's, if you guys are rattling each other's feathers, it's an opportunity to fix a piece of you. She's mm-hmm. such a gift in your life. And I think that's the different perspective that you need to see and you need, you don't need to, but it's, it's helpful if you do and start looking instead of letting her, um, because you, your energy feels very reactive with her. Once she starts in, you immediately have a response and it's the same response all the time. And I can feel it in your heart chakra. Um, and I also feel it in your solar plexus area. Um, and also, do you have lower back issues going on? Um, I think it's my bed. 
I don't have nothing physical that needs a correction or anything like that. Um, but I think what I think it's sort of linking. I believe that all our emotions sort of get stuck on a cellular level in our body. And I feel some of what I'm feeling in your lower back. And it's, I'm feeling it more on your right side than your left side. But it, it almost feels like, if anything, it hurts more on the left side. But I'm seeing it struck, not structurally, but it's sort of where it's landing, um, mm-hmm. somewhere on, on your lower right side. But I really mm. feel that it, it's on a cellular level. We Our emotions get stuck in our bodies. That's why doing some level of body work along with doing all this internal work is, mm-hmm. you know, a great facilitator for getting all this stuff out. But mm-hmm. try not – see, I believe that you – the answer is always within us that you could talk yourself blue in the face and you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to, never going to convince anybody of anything. I would say every time she rattles your feathers, look, look at you and look at how she makes you feel and shift that focus inward. Your real Mm -hmm. challenge in this relationship is truly, you know, in between your two sisters is with Lizzie. I mean, she's the one that I feel that big karmic and, and past life connection. As far mm-hmm. as Susie goes, I honestly feel, give it another month, two months, three months, you guys are going to be two peas in a pod again. I feel what Jimma just said about talking to um, Lizzie would really be the solution. And I don't mean to, you know, lessen what, what he said at all. But oh, no. psychically, it feels to me that Susie is receptive. She wants that friendship back as well. She wants that closeness. She's the one who would really be receptive to it. I feel with Lizzie, it's a deeper internal process, and it's an opportunity. Everything. I mean, all this karmic stuff, all the past life, um, uh, you know, connections and soul level connections that we have, all of them give us that opportunity to look inward and fix ourselves. That's why we're here to do that inner work. And you certainly have, based on how you open the dialogue, I mean, you certainly have been on a expedition in this lifetime to learn. And this is an opportunity to learn more about you. And also imagine, you know, imagine what, as, as partners in life, um, what some of the challenges might have been because she's holding a lot of resentment. I mean, you talk about jealousy i feel resentment in her energy and i feel some level of jealousy in susie's energy but the jealousy i feel in susie's energy feels like right now it's not deep you know like a deep harbored feeling like i feel with lizzie so mm-hmm. overall uh, you know you're just shift your focus do what jim said at the beginning you know forget all these distractions don't let any of that bother you Look inward and fix you. Look, this is such an opportunity for growth for you. But mm-hmm. your real, your real—I um, don't want to say challenge, but your real opportunity for growth is with Lizzie. And honestly, you have the ability to really shift that relationship, you know, literally a 180, and have a very, very fruitful relationship with her as you peel off those layers and and you understand you better it's not about her it's not about fixing her it's not about fixing the relationship it's about seeing what it reflects in you mm-hmm. 
And once okay. you do that, you're going to see how automatically your relationship, it's an autonomous thing. It just starts to shift and change. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm surprised because what I'm feeling, the rawness, I think, has, you know, gone out of my emotions, and I'm accepting the fact that I can turn within and I can see yes. why you say it is a blessing. I can understand that today, tonight. Um, Good. And it there, is. It truly is. It truly mm-hmm. is. It's such an opportunity. Instead of, you know, resenting and hurting and worrying about all those things, like Jim was talking, I mean, once, all that is distractions. And once we shift our focus inward, that's the route to healing ourselves. Oh. And that's believe you me, I've gone through those experiences. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I, I have gone through those phases, though, and mm-hmm. it's just it still comes up in my thoughts, and I thought there is more to this, and I need to keep searching until I can, you know, work on something else, I guess, at this point in time. You well, mean regarding... I want you to realize that, you know, yeah, this is something. You guys are here for a reason. And I believe yeah, you regarding planned looking within. it. Yeah, but I, I feel you planned it. You know, you wanted this opportunity with her. Not necessarily that your mom dies and, you know, all this stuff, you know, blows up in your face. But you wanted this, you know, this relationship with her. And it's there to teach you. So look at it that way, and it's going to help you navigate through life a lot easier. And every time she annoys you, look at what it is she make, how she makes you feel, and try to understand where that stems from. Just look inward. Keep digging inward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, anything else that you want to share with us before we go on to the next call? Um, just infinite love and gratitude for the time that you've taken and, um, you know, how you expressed it to me. I think, I think it's been very healing. I think I can live another day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're happy to hear that. We're definitely happy to hear that. Um, and thank you. Thank you very much for calling. Okay. Thank you so much to everybody. Have a good evening. Bye-bye, Amy. So that's a classic example of, you know, some of the, some of the gifts and opportunities instead of getting caught up in the cycle of living and reliving and reliving the same karmic debt or the same situations lifetime after lifetime, it's an opportunity to sort of, you know, get off the bandwagon and start fixing it. And we all have that opportunity. It isn't just Amy's situation. It's all these, all these situations that are causing us any sort of discomfort, be it a soul-level connection or just a, you know, whatever, just somebody we meet on the street, which still could be a destined kind of. Um, because, you know, nothing, I believe everything happens for a reason, and I don't believe in accidents, and I don't believe in coincidence. So I believe everything, there's, 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 um, I don't believe anything is random in the universe. Jim, do you, does the Buddhist believe it's a random, chaotic universe? I don't well, remember there's, there's, that. Maybe that will be a, a two, discussion. 
those are two very different things, random and chaos. Uh, chaos says that everything is a result of other things happening. And random says everything happens without any reason. Randomness is actually a, a kind of a, a way for us to just ignore the chaos and assume that it's just happening without any any you know any uh, uh, cause, any real cause. So um, uh, Buddhists tend to lean to, more towards the chaos idea that 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 things are the result of other things happening and, and it's all happening. And some of the things that are part of the chaos in Buddhist thinking is, is karma. So there you are. So uh, things like if, if a rock is falling down and it has a choice of going left or right and it's equal, your karma will say it will go left and it'll miss you or it'll hit you <laughs> depending on what your karma was. Uh, How's well, that? Does that answer your question? Well, you know what? I, this is like an amazing thing for me because you and I haven't had deep spiritual conversations in years. And right. years back, we always had such conflicting views on everything. Right. And mm-hmm. now I see, even though my view may be a little bit different, I could see the undercurrent. There was something, even though I don't believe in chaos at all, but you said something very uh, you know, very profound to me that really resonated that everything is, it's all these things are happening at the same time, which causes that chaotic, you know, whatever you said, environment. I don't know what the word was okay. you used. Um, and, and then, you know, based on your own karmic debt, it will either hit you or miss you or bring you luck mm-hmm. or not bring you luck or whatever. And right. that's very much what I believe. But the only difference in sort of my belief structure is that, you know, from a new age perspective, I think it's becoming more and more um, in the forefront to say karma is a very limiting thing. And that's something that we'll really get into greater detail when we do a show on karma. Right. But but um, coming more from that perspective that, it's a, it's beliefs. It's your beliefs that's driving this rather than a karmic debt. And, um, I, you know, it, are these beliefs and are these, um, uh, is, are these internal thought process, processes that we're bringing with us from lifetime to lifetime? I do believe to some degree that is true. Um, and we have the opportunity when we're in this, in this lifetime and have the awareness to be able to block out all those distractions, as you said, and turn your attention inward to actually peel off those layers. But I'm leaning more towards the perspective of it being our beliefs rather than it being a karmic debt. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sold on either because when life isn't working for me, I think, oh, my God, what did I do in a past lifetime to deserve this? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, yeah. I still sort of have that karmic belief. But, um, you know, I'm trying to embrace more and more, you know, because I think that empowers us more and more. But regardless if it's a karmic debt or if it's a belief process, we still have a way out. But mm-hmm. I, I'm blown away that I'm actually agreeing with you on so many things. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. So we are getting well, a little short how of much time here. Grown. So are you ready to take another call? Yes, who else do we have on the line? Okay. Great. I have um, Tina. 
from Illinois. Tina, Hi. are you there? I am here. Right, and what, <clears throat> great. What is your Last question for the dissenting? Uh, my question is about relationship uh, with my mother and my older sister. Um, it seems like my mom will just when I get closer to um, anyone, um, she would make up stories about me and tell them, and then it would if any relationship would re- dissolve, including her own sister, you know, uh, family, friends, and stuff like that. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. why. And my older sister, she just um, she just looks down on me for whatever reason. Uh, she and I had not spoken in years, maybe for like maybe six years. Recently, uh, we came together for a family uh, meeting, but there was nothing said. How are you doing? Um, she actually had told her former boss not to hire me for a job I was looking for a long time ago. Um, and that I'm not... <laughs> It's it's a long story. It's long story. So I was just trying to figure out. Her name is actually Linda, and um, my mom's name is Betty. All right. Um, with Betty, um, when you were talking, I very strongly um, got the impression of. Is I'm going to look at this life first, and I'm going to tell you what I see um, in past lifetimes with her. Um, in this lifetime. Um, a lot of it is about control and also like the previous caller, there's an element deep down within her of jealousy and resentment. Um, But I feel that does not really directly come from you. That's all her own issues. And I see Mm -hmm. in her, you know, her mother, your grandmother, your maternal grandmother, I feel um, almost duplicates the relationship that you're having with your mom. Do you know that to be true? Um, she and my grandmother, uh, well, well, my grandmother passed away at the beginning of the year on the first. Um, but much. they were pretty close. Um, but she was somewhat had issues with her siblings. Do you know though when they were when she was growing up? You know when when she was young what her relationship was with her mom. I understand they were pretty close. And just like, uh, yes, like close, um, like the apple of my grandmother's eye. Um, Yeah, so I Mm -hmm. have no clue. That's all I all right. know. I think there's a bigger I think there's a bigger story there based on mm-hmm. what they're showing me and, and again, this is interesting that um you've also had a loss. So my condolences um to the loss of your grandmother at the beginning of this okay. year. This is already seeming like um twenty nineteen, um, especially in the early part of the year. I, I'm not sure with our previous caller when, when her mom passed away, but you said January. And I have a loss on January 4th, um, so it's a heck of a way to start a new year. But, um, you know, from a karmic standpoint and from a past life standpoint with your mom, um, I actually see you both in a past lifetime as being twins. 
And it's so amazing because your energies feel so different in this lifetime. And there's so much, um, it almost comes through as resentment on your part um, with your mom. And I feel the undercurrents of the resentment and the jealousy with your mom and the control. But in a past lifetime, my gosh, were you guys like two peas in a pod. You were so close and there was so much love between the two of you. Um, And I really feel that there were lifetimes in between that in some way damaged that. Um, And there was one lifetime that um, one of you, and I'm not sure who it was, um, it was almost like you guys have plans and promised each other to reincarnate together in many, many lifetimes, or almost every lifetime I see you guys coming in together. There was one lifetime that one of you left very early. One of you died. I believe one of you was the mother and one of you was the child in in this particular lifetime that I'm picking up. And I really believe that um, you as the child, that that the child died very, very young. And your mom has a tremendous amount of resentment from the fact that she feels that you abandoned her in that lifetime. Um, And I don't feel that there were many other people around your mom in that lifetime. And I feel she harbored that feeling of, you know, of, I guess, you know, abandonment and resentment that you left her. And that's where some of this is stemming from. So the information and and sort of like the um, blueprint to healing is the same as what I what I had told the previous caller when I was talking to mm-hmm. Amy, it's about you know not trying to analyze, not trying to change the behavior, or not even worrying about your mom. When your mom does something and it elicits an emotion or a feeling within you, it's that opportunity to look inward and really understand what that feeling is and take that and try to peel off some of the layers so you could fix the relationship in this lifetime. I believe by fixing the relationship in this lifetime, and it's not anything to do with your mom. Remember, you only need one person to fix a relationship, and that one person is you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to change your mom, but you will. I mean, you're not going to change her in any permanent way by saying anything, by fighting, by being nice. Anything is just going to be a temporary solution. The real ticket is looking inward and understanding, looking at it as a clue and really understanding that it's reflecting something in you. When she, when she um, you know, like talks about you or ruins an opportunity for you to get a job or um, you know, is talking to people about you. How does that make you feel? Well, I mean, uh, she's she's done it my whole life to a point where I have completely cut any ties between anyone that I know and her out completely because it's very toxic, and I just have cut them out, and that makes me feel better because then it's just. I feel like I, I love them so much to a point where they were hurting me and I had to cut them out. And my life got better when I cut them out. Um, but it's just like, that. I just don't understand the dynamics. I mean, how can you have a child 
and not like but anyway my dad i don't know if part of it is because i am the apple of my dad's eye i have no uh, clue but it's just like there has ooh, been a lot of jealousy you know, there, that's right there. why remember what i said at the beginning about your grandmother um i the energy that i was picking up could have been the the parallel that you're the apple of your dad's eye and your mother was the apple of her mother's eye. Um, so there is mm-hmm. something in that. There is that jealousy and resentment, I believe, in that. That's, I mean, as soon as you said that, it became so clear because I was feeling, you know, that same kind of energy with your mom. And you said you were the apple of her eye. Um, and it is. And But, you know, that's such a blessing. It's such a gift to have that opportunity that you are the apple of your dad's eye. I mean, that is going to take you so far um, in your, you know, in your ability to be loved, um, you know, to have that really strong relationship with your dad is great. Um, you know, with your mom, she is who she is, and there's got to be an acceptance of that. Um, mm-hmm. But he's got, you know, your mom has control issues, and your mom has such a sense of, um, you know, resentment. And I believe it all comes from that lifetime where I believe you passed away as a young child and she never forgave you for it. She never did. So in a way, what she's trying to do now is control every aspect of your life um, so Mm -hmm. that she doesn't ever get into a position where she doesn't have the power so most definitely with your mom, I feel a, um, you know, a very, very strong past life connection. I believe almost every single lifetime that you've lived, you've reincarnated together. And this is just an opportunity for you to see a different side of things. Because you, like I said, you were once two peas in a pot because I see you once as twins. You know, you were so close in one well, my lifetime. Mom, my, my mom is a twin. My mom has Isn't a twin that, brother. I got the chills when you said that. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, but it's an opportunity for you to grow. Um, I mean, there's certain things that we're not going to be able to change. So the only way we can, the only power we have is with ourselves. But you said something very interesting. You said you, everything changed for the better, and you, um, you know, uh, you were happier when you cut everybody out of your life mm-hmm. that so that your mom had had no ability to, you know, have any influence. I actually, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you're aware of it, I think you've suppressed it on some level. I feel a tremendous loneliness in you, and I feel... A, you know, a resentment in you. What I feel mm-hmm. you're you're sort of fixating on, which is great, is the fact that you have the power. You regained power over your mom mm-hmm. by doing that, but you've isolated yourself from people. Mm-hmm. Um, who mm-hmm. You you know, it would be wonderful to have a mom and a this one and a that one, and to have all that interaction together. And I feel resentment in your energy that you don't have mm-hmm. it. But you're choosing to look at, which is fine. I think, you know, it's, it's a good thing to be able to see it from a positive perspective that you have the control. But I don't want you to deceive yourself. So look inward. Mm-hmm. 
and see if you could pick up on the resentment and the, the feeling of feeling lonely or alone because she has isolated you. She has almost forced you mm-hmm. and backed you against the wall. Mm-hmm. And that's when mm-hmm. you have the power to heal yourself because you don't see what happens. The way we develop the karma is things like that. If you take that and you just fixate on the fact that you have the control, so now you're happier. But if there's really resentment harboring deep within you, you're going to carry that with you. And that's going to present itself in the next lifetime as an opportunity for you to have another experience to, you know, live through. So it's an opportunity in this lifetime to work through it. Do you feel that, though? Tina, do you feel that? Yeah, of that course, there's resentment. resentment. Of course. There yeah. Of course, yeah. of course, there is resentment. She isolated me even from my own siblings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they treat me the way they treat me because she treats me really badly in front of them. And even to a point where when we where when we were younger, when I myself and my siblings were younger, we would gather and sit down and she would just tell me to get away get up and, and leave. You know, that's how bad it was. And mm. it's just growing up and having a mom do that. There was somebody she made up stories and about me the the person was shocked. He said, there's not a mom. I, I have never seen a mom who would just make, uh, say things about their daughter that way. She even made up stories that I was living with a man. I've never lived with a man ever in my life, lifetime, ever. Mm-hmm. This person came into my home, uh, said he was coming to pray with me. And he was looking around, and he went back to her and said, there's not a man living here. And she said, oh, she probably... Um, got rid of him before you got there. See, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, she makes up stories, pretty much. It's just like crazy. <laughs> um, what do you take on this? Um, well, there, there's a few things that I picked up. Um, Mom had issues with her siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, she, was she like the youngest in the family? No, she was. Mm, mm, they were about seven. One of them passed, um, and she was uh, the third. So the twins came as the third, first, second, third. Yes. And, so, um, so she, but she struggled with them. Did she? Did she perhaps have to make up stories to get her power in in that family? I, I think she did pretty much the same thing she's doing yeah. right now. That's what I. That's what I'm thinking because I, I get it that uh, that that. Uh, she's probably looking at you as being probably uh, more uh, 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 paid attention to by your father than she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're sta- so you're standing in a place that she wants to stand and she can't. And so she's going to get back at you the same way she got back at her siblings. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. And, you, so and your sister's just picking up all that energy and carrying it on. So because she's probably got the same problem. You're the youngest, so you got more attention than she did. And that happens a lot with older children in families that they kind of, uh, this younger kid comes along, and now I'm no longer the center of the family. Mm-hmm. So that that's not unusual. And seeing mom doing the things she's doing, she probably thinks that that's, that's the way you treat Tina. That's how she, Tina gets treated. I agree with you on that part. I do. So what we want you to do is, 
you can't fix either one of them. Take no. your focus to you. Take your power back, but in a healthy mm-hmm. way. Um, don't isolate yourself. You know, you're a grown woman. Do what you want to do. Don't, you know, um, don't don't let them run or control your life. That's what I feel. You sort of put yourself in a box so that mm-hmm. you don't have all the aggravation and upsetment with things. But I want you to break out of that box and be true to yourself and honor yourself. And even if it means, you know, defying your mom with things, um, you know, I'm not saying have a big argument or anything like that, but be true to yourself. That's the big lesson Mm -hmm. here for you. What you've done is you've compromised yourself rather than being, than honoring yourself. You did it. It was a survival mechanism for you, but I want you to Mm -hmm. start your power back and being, and being true to yourself. But we're almost out of time tonight, Tina. So I thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Paula, Paula, do you have a few words that you want to say, especially about next, the next show? Yes. Um, our next topic is going to be on the Mandela effect, which is, um, such an, an unusual concept. Uh, groups of people sometimes remember things or, or claim to have seen things or heard things one way when, you know, history would say that it was another way. Um, there's a, a lot of situations that come up like this where where people are wondering what's going on, what is creating this effect, where I clearly remember that this is the way it happened or I know for a fact that this is the way it happened but these other people in the world are thinking something completely different. Um, and we're going to look at what might be contributing to to situations like that. Um, <laughs> who knows what's going on? But our, our right. could will be alternate realities. Or... Right. It could be alternate realities. We don't know what it is, so we're going to explore that topic. Yeah. Look at all of the all the options we can think of. Um, one thing I do want to mention, though, if any of the listeners tonight want to have a past life regression, they can schedule one on Lady Fontaine's website. Um, so if anybody you know, found this intriguing. No, that sounds great. So um, okay. I just wanted to say I just wanted to say thank you to all our listeners, to our callers. These were absolutely great calls. Thank you, yeah. Jim. Thank you, Paula, for a great, great show. And I look for I really look forward to next to our next show with the Mandela effect. It's a powerful um mystery that we're gonna uh, Jim and I will put on our paranormal investigators hat and see if we <laughs> can figure out exactly what's going on. Well you have a wonderful rest of the week, rest of the month, and we'll see you soon. Good night all. <laughs> Good night. Good night.